This is the Howell Creek Radio address for Saturday, May 4th, 2013. I'm Joel Duick. Recently, I spent a day cooped up in a room with a few other people. We had a list of 130 names, and we had to start at the top of the list, do some tasks A through F, or G or H, for each of the names, until we got to the bottom. The problem was that no one in the room had the complete picture of precisely what those tasks were. And to be fair, the information and the tasks involved were complex. We all knew that we needed to work out some kind of process, and we had a vague idea of how clean and shiny our records would be once we could perform that process on all the names in the list. But the exact nature of the process eluded us. It eluded me because I'm new to healthcare and I'm still kind of ignorant about how things work. But it also eluded my quasi-study partner, who is an RN and a very intelligent person. She struggled to find the words and sentence structure to ask the right questions. And when the words came, they came in a densely coded thicket of disguised and interconnected concerns, impossible for listener and speaker alike to untangle. Our instructor's helpful response to the tangle was, You're overthinking this. Just go through the list and you'll be okay. It took several rounds of this and several interviews with different people to arrive at something like a clear picture of exactly what it was we were supposed to accomplish. After seven hours, we had finished the first six names on our list. Yeah, sure, it was a deeply unsatisfying day, and on the walk home I spent a few minutes on the bridge cathartically spitting at cars passing below me on the freeway. But besides that, it was an example of how people interact and what does or doesn't get accomplished when they just do not have the words to model their thoughts. They're intelligent and they have some strong feeling of what needs to be done, but without words, those desires remain just feelings. Do you remember we were talking um, a couple nights ago about when you first become aware, like when we first became aware of our own feelings. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene on the bench? I know that wasn't, I'm not thinking of that as your earliest memory, but do you remember that? At school? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually on a, um, not a bench, but a like an well, old railroad si- tie. Oh, okay. At the end of a, like a parking driveway area. Okay, can you describe that scene? Describe what we were talking about that made it feel significant (laughs) well we were talking just about how um how i became aware of myself yeah just aware self-aware yeah well i was sitting there because um i was at school and i wanted to play what we called soccer baseball um with the other kids and it was the most popular group game at the time and Um, part of that is picking teams and I wasn't picked as part of either team and so I felt 
quite a bit of rejection. I was probably seven-ish or so. And I just remember feeling really sad and not sure what to do with myself and just felt like crying and just having feelings that were strong that I don't know if I'd felt rejection quite as strongly before. And I didn't, obviously when a little kid gets rejected, they don't know what to do, but go somewhere by themselves and and just feel what they're feeling for a while. And so I went and sat on that railroad tie, which was quite a ways away from the other kids and where they couldn't really see me or notice me. And as I sat there, I just became aware of why I felt that way, what what that feeling was called, and how how it was created, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just that sense of loneliness, um, rejection, not being good did enough. You have, did you have words for it at the time? I don't know that I would have... I don't know that I was aware of the word rejection, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, This is something that you've gone back and thought over. Yes, yes. Um, but at the time... At the time... Looking down at the ground. Yeah. You were just noticing how you I just, were feeling. Yeah, exactly. I became aware of the strong feeling in that it wasn't just... It suddenly stood out from... Well, it was caused by the circumstances in my life, but it was strong enough to stand out on its own so that I became... I would take notice of it. Mm-hmm. It became its own circumstance. Yeah, versus just feeling sad and finding the next thing to interest me and not paying much more attention. Kids kind of move on to the next thing and mm-hmm. seem kind of resilient that way. But... um. I guess you hit a point when your subconscious or your spirit or something connects with your consciousness and you suddenly realize that this is its own thing and it has its own label and it kind of takes over Mm -hmm. unpleasantly. So (laughs) it comes to the foreground, I guess. (laughs) I didn't think about this before, but do you remember ever feeling the same sensation of being aware of a feeling that was good? Not in the same, not in the same almost analytical way. Like, at that age, I wasn't really analyzing, or maybe it wasn't a very small way. But, I guess this, that feel, that sadder feeling was the first feeling I really became aware of. I can't really think if there's a time when I really noticed myself being happy. Like, I have noticed mm-hmm. it, but I don't remember if there's a certain first time. Mm-hmm. I think the sad feelings make more of an impression mm-hmm. than the happy ones do, which is really unfortunate. Unless you've been sad for a very long time, and then suddenly there's a reason for a really happy feeling that it would make an impression. And then I think I remember that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when we got married. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Score. <laughs> Such a win. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Both sides. <laughs> When I was four, my father went to Scotland. They said he went to Scotland. When I woke up, I think I thought that I was dreaming. 
I was so little then that I thought dreams are in the room with you like the cinema. That's why you don't dream when it's still light. They pull the shades down when it is so you can sleep. I thought that then, but that's not right. Really, it's in your head. And it was light then, light at night. I heard Stocky bark outside, but really it was mother crying. She coughed so hard she cried. She kept shaking sister. She shook her and shook her. I thought sister had had her nightmare. But he wasn't barking, he had died. There was dirt all over sister. It was all streaks, like mud. I cried. She didn't, but she was older. I thought she didn't because she was older. I thought Stocky had just gone. I got everything wrong. I didn't get one single thing right. It seems to me that I'd have thought it didn't happen like a dream, except that it was light at night. They burnt our house down. They burnt down London. Next day, my mother cried all day, and after that, she said to me, when she would come to see me, Your father has gone away to Scotland. He will be back after the war. The war then was different from the war now. The war now is nothing. I used to live in London till they burnt it. What was it like? It was just like here. No, that's the truth. My mother would come here, some, but she would cry. She said to Miss Elise, He's not himself. She said, Don't you love me any more at all? I was myself. Finally, she wouldn't come at all. She never said one thing, my father said, or sister. Sometimes she did. Sometimes she was the same, but that was when I dreamed it. I could tell I was dreaming. She was just the same. That Christmas, she bought me a toy dog. I asked her what was its name, and when she didn't know, I asked her over. And when she didn't know, I said, You're not my mother. You're not my mother. She hasn't gone to Scotland. She's dead. And she said, Yes, he's dead. He's dead. And cried and cried. She was my mother. She put her arms around me, and we cried. I just wonder if the sad feelings shape who we are more inside than the joyful feelings do. And because of that, they have more of an impression. Or I wonder if we just take the joyful feelings for granted. And it's only when a cloud comes to cover up the sun that we suddenly realize what we're missing. Or I don't know. I just I find, think it's really unfortunate that we're more aware of the sad feelings than we are the joyful feelings mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. you know? I think, for me, the goal is to be aware of every feeling. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I even think, I even look at joyful feelings in almost like through a mirror. Like, I, mm-hmm. I l- tend to look at happy situations as though looking into the distant future and then looking back on today as in this is a thing that will pass someday we will look back on this yeah you know i guess maybe that's a way of transforming it into something sad Mm. by saying that 
it's happy, but it's only temporary. Mm-hmm. This is all going to change. I feel like that. I was just thinking earlier before we started this that um, I feel like that every night when we go to bed. <laughs> like I, it's like the best time to be able to be close and sleep together, but it's also it's kind of sad to me. It's the end of another day together. Mm-hmm. We just don't want another day. In. And I know staying up like my logic says staying up later is not it's the day is still going to end but I want to prolong it somehow <laughs> yeah. I think that's how I that's how I've turned become a night a, owl <laughs> yes More turned my morning know. person into a night owl <laughs> mm. anyways I think that's all I had when you think about it <laughs> <more>. <laughs> which is always good <laughs>